Hey y'all, welcome back to a Thursday, May 5th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. On today's show, oh yeah, the full ride with fellow University of North Georgia alumni Matt Green. Uh, we talked a lot of college football. There's a lot of stuff going on in the sport that Matt and I love. Uh, it's it's just a lot, a lot going on. We, we start with um, the latest on the transfer portal and what's going on with Jordan Addison and Pitt and USC and uh, Bama and whoever else is going to get in the running there and what this means for college football um, and just the transfer portal changes as a whole and where uh, things are going in the not too distant future. Uh, UGA setting a record for drafted players, Tennessee adding two more big pieces in the portal this week, Brew McCoy and uh, Andre Turrentine, both big guys to add there. Um, but yeah, we do that. And then we also talk about rivalries. Yeah, this is not rivalry week, although we did learn that rivalry week is not something that you can say fast because, oh my goodness, it's, uh, it's a tough one. Um, yeah, seriously, just try it uh, on your own in the car while you're, while you're listening to this podcast. Try and say rivalry week extremely fast. It's difficult. Um, but we talk about rivalries that uh we want to see um more of clemson georgia miami florida um texas arkansas colorado nebraska kansas mizzou and then some rivalries that we think uh should be rivalries going forward like notre dame byu why that makes a lot of sense for both parties and the most obvious one for me that i've been pushing for a while is tennessee versus virginia tech and making that a yearly thing and then some underrated rivalries right now that we could see being bigger uh, and the years to come, Coastal App State, Utah, BYU, and Nebraska, Iowa. Um, so yeah, all kinds of great college football content with Matt on this edition of the Full Ride here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Don't forget, folks, you can watch this very program on YouTube, youtube.com, type in the Chase Thomas Podcast. You'll find us that easy, that simple. Go subscribe and check us out there. If you haven't already done so, but you are a subscriber and frequent listener to the Chase Thomas podcast here on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Make sure you go ahead and hit that pause button right now and leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcasts. It helps other people find the show and helps this show continue to grow. Uh, don't forget, folks, you can also read my work, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Again, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Uh, all right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, the full ride. We're back here on a Wednesday night, May fourth. And guess what? May the fourth be with you. I'm not doing any of that. That's not me. So not what we're doing on this podcast. Couldn't do it with the straight face. Matt Green's here, fellow University of North Georgia uh, alumni. Matt Green. Matt, how are you, sir? I'm good. I was wondering about. When you said May the Fourth, like by mm-hmm. saying, by by saying you weren't going to say it, you were kind of one of the people that said it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's kind of what I feel like with my friends that I'm like, like we just we kind of like address each other like kind of ironically or just like, hey guy, you know, like what's mm-hmm. going on, guy? But then after years and years of doing it, I'm no longer doing it ironically. I'm just a person who who talks like that. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like I just I say guy. You know? It's like I don't know. You say this guy a lot. You are a person who says guy a lot. Is you that right? A guy. You're a guy. But if guy. you call someone guy, it's mm-hmm. like a how's it going, guy? Like, I don't know. There's like a there's like an irony, like I'm I wouldn't really say that, but 
after a while, if you say it so many times, then you you do say that. So I don't know. It's kind of funny. Well, guy is one of those words that can be completely misconstrued by the wrong person, right? Like if you say, what is this guy talking about? Like the way you do this guy or you say guy, like someone, that's how a fight could start between two men <laughs> is the way you, you use the term guy. Like that's, that's a bold one to mo- to use if you're not familiar with the other person, because if you you address another grown man as guy, and you don't really know them. That can go one of two very different ways. I think that's, that's one of those risky risky uh pronouns or is that a pronoun what is that uh, noun That's, i don't know i guess that is that a pronoun is i don't it know a pronoun i'm not sure now well it's a we'll key, pretend i'm not she, it kind of is yeah. i don't know it's 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 pronoun adjacent yes people are going to get so mad at us for not uh, uh sorry dr marker and jacob j and everyone uh but uh now i'm second guessing myself about this but um no how was your week man uh how are how's everything on your front i appreciate maddox and zeus sliding in my instagram dms to uh wish me well on my engagement over the weekend that was nice of them to slide in the dms and do that uh so shout oh, out to yeah. maddox and zeus for coming through yeah i guess that's what we really need to talk about like my weekend mm-hmm. was good and everything you know obviously enjoyed the nfl draft and everything well we can get to that but uh Congratulations on the engagement, sir. That's that's the that's the headline story. You gotta you Thank gotta you. tell the audience how how uh, how you did it. Oh, we can't do this every day. I've done this on like four straight pods because oh, I is that right? Up, yeah, I just keep uh, having to relitigate what I did. Um, short version: uh, at a park, our one of our favorite parks in the field, and uh, completely surprised her. Had my family come up. Her family uh, also there at the end. Uh, so after it was all done, we oh, made our way man. through the park and everything, and you. they surprised her. Yeah, I did like a. It was pretty well planned. Um, it was a, it was a good time. But man, that was a nervous day, man. Like going that morning and just trying to do other stuff and be productive and knowing that's on the agenda, but only you know and you can't like mention it and trying to act normal around her and it was a lot. But once you do it, like once you're in that moment and you're just you're you've you you've obviously done it you know what it's like you just yeah. you don't know how you're going to react in that moment until you do it and then once the words start coming out you're like oh this is just uh, we're in this now let's uh, keep this moving and you're uh, i don't know it felt it felt great and uh samantha is my best friend and uh it's good man i i'm i'm very happy uh, i'm very happy it all went well and now, now my, stuff, uh, I told man. her my part is done. Like I am the wedding part. Like whatever you want to do, I don't care. Like that's all fine. I'm, yeah. I'm not. Is, is I'm she, not is she down to plan the wedding? Is she yes. like so? See, that's the that's where me mm. and Tori ran into problems. Uh-oh. It's like I, you know, I, I, I put popped the question. You know, mm. I'm, we're, I'm good now, right? Mm. But um, obviously, we did plan something, but like before, like my whole car accident and everything happened. But yeah. We just neither one of us wants to plan a wedding, so that's mm-hmm. why we're uh, we're still we're still engaged, you know, going that engaged game, you know, see how long we can go. But there um, you go. yeah, so I'm happy for you, man. I, how long you had the ring? Uh, I ordered a while. I did not have it on me very long, like <laughs> less than a week, I think. I had okay. it on me physically, um, but it was. Dude, I just did not want to have that on me. Like, it was one of those where I was just going to be like, once I decided and once it got made and shipped, and that took that took some time uh, to get. Once you pick the ring and you pick the carrots and the diamonds and all that kind of stuff, like it. Once you're there, um, that the the process because you, you can't just walk out the store with that. So it's one of those that 
took a while to get made and all that kind of stuff. But then once it came in and I was like, oh, whew, here we go. Uh, <laughs> this is time to roll. Let's let's rock. But um, yeah, I didn't I didn't want to have that on me. I will say, though, when we were uh, in the car on the way to the park um, before I proposed, she went in my right pocket. When we were in the coffee shop line and getting some some lattes to go. Uh, as we do on Saturday mornings for the park. And she reached into my right pocket. And I thought, I, like, I still can't remember what it, the actual reason was, but she never does that. And she reached in it for something. It may have been a napkin. I'm not 100% sure. Thinking back, that whole day is kind of a blur now. But, like, I, the ring was in my left pocket. So if she, if, if by any chance, mm. like, I had picked my right pocket for the ring to be in, she just pulls it out and like, what is that? Why do you have that in your... And then the whole thing shot. The whole thing is shot right before we get over there. Like, it's amazing how lucky I got on that front. But out of all the days for her to just be like, let me just reach into your pocket while we're at the drive-thru and see... It, like, is that not is that not crazy? Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm glad it all worked out, man. Uh, you know, we... we get back to the college football talk, you know, but, uh, it's a, it's a milestone thing. We had to talk about it. You know, we're both in our thirties, Matt Green. We're closer to 40 than we are 20. This is what we're, okay. We're, I was about to say, I was like, I'm not closer to 40 than 30, but yeah, yeah man, getting up there. But, getting um, up there. since we last were on the pod, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm see him repping the Cubs, you know, the last yeah. few weeks, me and Tori went to the, uh, Braves Cubs, mm-hmm. uh, the rubber match of that series. <laughs> And the Braves got the dub, as they always do when me and Tori see them uh, in Atlanta. So it was mm-hmm. good stuff. It's always awesome seeing the Cubs in Truist Park because they travel so much. So it's almost like going to a road game. Yeah. And so I'm just in a section with just so many Cubs fans. And they, the Chicago fans love to talk. And uh, the Braves Braves got the W. So it was, uh, it was awesome. Acuna's first game back. So it was, yeah. it was sick. Um, yeah, if you go to a Hawks game, it's the same thing, but just with like Knicks Lakers, go to a Hawks Knicks game or a Hawks Lakers game. And I did like, yeah. actually one year when Kobe was there. Um, mm-hmm. it was that game that he got hurt, like at the very end. I think he like stepped on Dante Jones' like foot or oh, something. Oh, yes, yes, he, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, it was insane. Like, it was the first Hawks game I've been to in years, me and my friend. And like, it mm-hmm. like legit turned us into Hawks fans. Like, we're <laughs> just like kind of casual here. And it's like there's so many Laker fans. Like Kobe like went off like in the four- third quarter. Mm-hmm. I remember that game. He had like 18 or something in the third yeah. quarter. And it's just like MVP, MVP. <laughs> like I'm like, we're in Atlanta right now. Like what is going on? But I was like, fuck that. Go Hawks, man. Let's mm-hmm. do it. So it was, uh, yeah, I, I've experienced the, the – it was Phillips Arena back then. But, but yeah. I'm surprised how quickly I transitioned because I always thought I was going to call it Phillips and I, I never thought that I would change uh, my brain to State Farm, but it really did. It did flip. Like I've, I, it was an easy transition to go from Phillips as long as it was as Phillips. Like the dome never would have yeah. changed. Like if the dome stayed the dome and we didn't blow it up and it just got a new, like it became Mercedes Benz dome. It's like, no, 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 you're the dome forever. Like that's yeah. just all you are. But the new buildings so they got around it um if like neil and ever changes was only there yeah. like a couple years so it's like yeah like, truest whatever yeah yeah i mean I'll, if I'll turner renamed if they kept turner and they just renamed it truest feet like no this is turner uh, we're heading to turner field like that's what this is always going to be <laughs> neil and stadium's always going to be neil and even if there's a set, truest truest neil and stadium it's like no we're gonna keep calling it neil because i don't know if that's coming one day it, that's uh, that's the last the last uh 
frontier, I feel mm-hmm. like. We, we're getting to like, you know, college football, this free agency, NIL, whatever's going on. Once the corporate names start coming on the stadium, that's that's when I go. I'm like, I can't, I can't <laughs> do this. We Louisville learned their lesson. That we we hitched our band, we we hitched our wagon to the wrong to the wrong brand. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I can't, I couldn't deal with AT and T Sanford Stadium. I just, I, I, I wouldn't do it. You're not a KFC Yum Center guy. <laughs> no, can't do. It. I think Dunkin' Donuts has one up. Is like Providence or something. Well, you have Kroger Field in uh, Kentucky. Yeah, that's that's one of the only ones I can think mm-hmm. of um, in terms Dun- of college. Who's Duncan? I might need to get on. I think, that. I think Providence. I think Providence basketball. That's their arena, plays. though. That's their basketball arena. Yes, Duncan yeah, Donuts do, Arena. Do they have a football team? I don't. No, uh, I don't. Think I don't so. think so. Or not a D one football team at right. least. But um, yeah, I don't know if I can't off the top of my head. I can't think of any other than teams playing in NFL stadiums. I can't think of. Because Louisville Cart like Louisville got rid of that right. It's Cardinal mm-hmm. Stadium now again. So yeah, but the basketball arena is still KFC Yum Center. KFC the Colonel hasn't done anything, so <laughs> we're good. Um, well, things that aren't good, and a lot of folks in college football are pretty upset. Uh, I think you know where I'm going with this, Matt Green. So it, this is so complicated, and I've listened to a lot of different people's perspective on this, and read a lot of different pieces about this, and this was something that was popping up over the weekend diehard college football fans are familiar with this a lot of casuals probably don't know what's going on so let us fill you in if you are not aware the Pitt panthers have a very very good wide receiver still do he's in the portal he hasn't officially left yet but this player jordan addison one of the best receivers in the country uh i think he won uh the best receiver in the country the the cough, yeah yeah so he shouldn't have. I mean, Jamison Williams is the best receiver in college football. But I digress. Neither here nor Let's there. Let's interrupt. <laughs> he is still he still won. Like, and he's still a premier receiver who put up monster numbers. Who yeah. succeeded at Pitt. Pitt goes to the ACC title game. They win the ACC this past year. Kenny Pickett moves on. Mark Whipple, his OC, moves on. But Keaton Slovis, big transfer from USC, he comes over. Pitt. And probably the best place they've been in as a football program in a while. Um, they Things are humming all across the board. There's no reason for Jordan Addison, who has succeeded and been one of the best receivers, and Pitt has done right by him because he has developed quite nicely in Pittsburgh. He There was rumors that like he was going to enter the portal. And it was a, it's a, there is a difference between entering the portal and then talking to a player versus talking to a player to get him to enter the portal and get in his ear and be like, Hey, um, no, you're doing pretty well over there, but we can probably put together an NIL deal for you. That can just make so much more money for you before you get in the NFL. Those are two separate conversations. And this is not what the intent of NIL was. This was something that people who are not naive expected to eventually come and come fast because there are no guardrails and there are no rules in college football at the moment that this was going to happen and lincoln riley became villain number one on college football twitter over the last few days we don't even know for sure if it was lincoln who reached out yeah, we don't know what, it could be Caleb Williams. to me is we yeah it, it, i've heard multiple teams and it doesn't even sound like usc is necessarily the favorite so it, it is interesting how lincoln riley usc initially like automatically became the villain like you're saying right and it's one of those things where we don't really know 
who's to blame or why this is happening and who jump-started this process. What we do know is Addison's in the portal now. We do know that his pick career is likely over. We do know that uh, Keaton Slovis tweeted about this this week and was pretty upset uh, about Addison and what's going on here. If you like, were, why the hell do you think I came to Pittsburgh, bro? Right. <laughs> but it's also like, okay. I <laughs> This is a complicated conversation to have, but it's an important one because I think this is the kind of thing. This is the the doomsday scenario for non for the have-nots, I guess is how we should frame it. This is a doomsday scenario where these schools who do the right things and have these stars now have to worry about getting picked off by the, the, the haves. And you saw that with Georgia Tech where it's like our only cool player, Jameer Gibbs, gone. And he's going to tear it up at Alabama next year. And the fear with NIL and the fear with no guardrails and no protections is that these guys who develop at these schools that are not the, the creme de la creme and do not have the boosters, do not have the money that these other programs like a USC or Miami or a Texas or a Oklahoma or whoever, a Georgia, Bama, um, that they just, what are they supposed to do? And that's how you lose a bunch of fans. This is how you piss off a bunch of people is that was something you that made college football great was that there, the talent was spread out and that you could go to Pitt and win a Heisman. Like you could be a Larry Fitzgerald at Pittsburgh and it'd just be awesome. You could lend uh, LaShawn McCoy. Should have won the Heisman. Right, but that's the whole thing. He was in the conversation and it was fine. Pitt never had to worry about Larry leaving at the end of it. They, he, that was not on their radar. Now you're worried if you develop someone, if you're a have-not, that people can just tamper and there's no way to prove it. Like there's no, we have no idea what's going on with Jordan Addison. Like there's no, you'll never get a straight story on how this started, where it goes, any of that. We just know that if you're a Pitt fan, you have every right to be extremely pissed off about the state of affairs of college football right now, because they're, they're just, uh, what's the term? They're just kind of like the number one, the, what is it called? The, uh, inexperience, the, uh, control. They are the control where it's like, this is, we're about to see what happens. And this is step one. And I imagine Pat Narduzzi is quite pissed off about this situation. And I think most group of five coaches, most not have not schools are going to be extremely pissed off about this because Addison will not be the last one because I don't think this is getting cleared up anytime soon. There's no way to legislate this out of college football. Once you open the floodgates. So when you, um, when you unleash the floodgates, and this happens, man, like this is such a bad look all across the board. And whoever lands Jordan Addison, we're all going to be like, Ugh, like kind of gross. Like, yeah, we how don't much like you this. pay for him? Exactly. And that's the pay for play aspect. It was not the intent of NIL, but that's where we're at. It's now free agency where you don't even enter the portal yet. We can just go to you on any team and we can poach you like that's. Like, that's breaking a code where it's like, you would think that these coaches would be like, this coaching brotherhood would be like, we're not going to do that. We're not going to, like, if they're not in the portal, they're off limits. We Nobody can talk to them. Talk to your team. Don't talk to these guys. Whatever. But that's not what happened. And now Jordan Addison's in the portal. And Pitt seasons now super just, we have to look at it completely differently. Like, you lose your best and player I'm, and you change everything. I, I know I'm throwing a, a lot at you, but this is... This is where we're at. Is that a fair way of characterizing what's going on right now? I mean, I think that's how everybody feels because it's like, 
I oh, I can't remember the guy's name that was used to be on 92.9. Uh, Rick Kamla um, mm. is on NBA Network. He he would always say, I feel like the way he would always work, phrase himself is like, this makes me feel some kind of way. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you don't really know. It's not necessarily bad. It's not they're not necessarily doing anything wrong, but I feel some kind of way about this. Like I just something in my heart like knows that this isn't what it's supposed to be. You know, so I'm glad you brought up Larry Fitzgerald because that's a really good example of someone who is a superstar as a freshman. And if you're a superstar at Pittsburgh as a freshman. Next year, you're going to be playing for Texas. You're going to be playing yep. for Alabama. And like that's not what we want college football to be. And also, I'm glad you brought up the controlled uh, variable because mm-hmm. that's the biggest issue I have with college football right now. In the 2018 class, that was the first one where we had the early signing period. And then 2020, we have now the one-time transfer rule is, is in play. 2021, now the players can make money. Like These are three huge things that have changed the sport in like three years, and we don't really know which one is the one – that is setting it in a course that we're not really feeling comfortable with, you know? So it's like, there was no controlled variable. We've had all these huge changes and now it's like, it's like the federal government stepping in. It's like, you already don't trust what the federal government is going to do. And now the NCAA saying, Oh yeah, we're going to look at these collectives. It's like, well, yeah, we do want something to be done with these collectives, but like, we've already given up that you guys are going to do the right thing, that you guys are going to figure this out. So I don't even know what's going to come of this. Like uh, I know the Ohio state athletic director said something about like kind of alluded to the power five schools. Like the, the schools should be responsible for like kind of disconnected from the NIL stuff. And like, I don't know, like have like a, a, pro, a revenue sharing type deal. Like I could be butchering what, what he said, but basically like the NCAA can't be in charge of the policing. Well, your broader NIL. point is where we're at, where it's like, it's going to be a conference by conference thing. You're seeing the Pac-12 yeah. meet this week and they're talking about their own guardrails. Like that's, what's going to happen. I think is each conference is going to have their own rules, which is like, well, great Pac-12. Cause guess what? You can put all these rules on. Guess who's not putting any guardrails on? The SEC, Greg Sankey's not doing any of that. He's not hamstringing uh, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and company. That's not happening. You want to even, see... yeah. even that, like that's progress, but like you, all these, all these power five, that's why these power five schools need to kind of be doing their own thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like in their own league, whatever you want to call it, because I just don't like the idea of the big 12 having different rules than the sec mm-hmm. than the pac 12, like, Oh, well, the Pac-12, they're offering 8% revenue sharing mm-hmm. for the players. And the SEC is offering 5% revenue share. It's like, this isn't what we want the sport to be. It's like, we want at least the at least the schools at the top to all be competing on the same level. It's like, there's never, there's never fairness in sports. You know, there's these brands that have, that are in, you know, maybe bigger markets or they're in, you know, have more tradition, have a bigger fan base, whatever the case may be. So there's never going to be just equality period but you can do the best you can to have everyone playing by the same rules like there's got to be something capped with this i feel like when we first heard of like this the texas like the pancake charity or whatever it is for like texas offensive linemen and then just to see what a&m has done like we don't really know what exactly a&m has done but we just know we've never seen a&m recruit like this before right it's like they've gotten good classes but this level of recruiting, we just, 
it makes like us Ole feel Miss some kind of way, ago, right? With Kim Dietschy and everything, where you're like, okay, this is, uh, like, you're Ole Miss, and you can have these blip years, but, like, number one, number one Ole Miss, <laughs> like, yeah. there's, yeah. You have Kim Dietschy's brother already on your roster. Mm-hmm. Maybe Kim Dietschy will want to go there, too. Not all these other five stars. Yeah. Like, you got to be doing something. So, and that's not to, like, you don't want to, like, rain on Ole Miss's parade, on Texas mm. A&M's parade for, like, are you just mad because we're a new kid on the block? Like, if, if Alabama and Ohio State were doing this, you don't really, you know, bat an eye to it. So, I don't know. It's, it's a tough conversation to have. I'm, you know, I'm all for the players, you know, being compensated in some way. But I think we can all agree, like, this isn't where we wanted to be. We didn't want to hear that so-and-so is offering $5 million to get him to transfer to away from his school. Like, that's just... That's not what we want. What we want this sport to be like, and and I don't know how you balance it. To be honest, like once you once you open the floodgates, because it's not the schools paying him. So that's the problem. This is why you cannot legislate this out of the game right now. Is that there's nothing you can do right now to stop a collective in Southern California to lure a other uh, some other player that they can afford to lure. Like there's nothing you can do when Miami throws the bag of that Miami basketball player who's like I'll I'll leave it's like all right well here we go we'll step up to the plate and you're you can stay like there's nothing you can't cap because it, it's not how it works in any other business it's not how it works in professional life whatsoever you can't just cap our earnings and cap what some yeah. a private business is willing to pay me to uh work or do this particular job you are you're worth what anybody's willing to pay you and if a collective and even just like Eastern Michigan, when Charlie Batch was out here trying to get a couple mil to bring in Caleb Williams to Eastern Michigan, it's like if the money's there and a company wants to throw their money around like that, they're gonna do that. The hope, I guess, if you're a if you're a have not school right now, is that you're gonna see a lot of schools throw this, the haves throw a lot of money around early, and then those millionaires are like, ooh. We're not getting a lot of return on this revenue that we're throwing out. Like we're not, they're not producing what we think they are because they're throwing a lot of money at unknowns. Like Spencer Rattler was a huge unknown. that's getting a lot of money. Caleb Williams, uh, a huge unknown to this, this point. Nico, uh, we don't know if it's Nico, if he's that guy. Um, it, we don't know. Like we'll never know that story in the unnamed player. But, but these when these kids, guys just have so much money to give the program anyway, right. it's like, well, I was going to give... $10 million to the university this year anyway. Why not mm-hmm. give two to this prospect and two to this prospect and two to this prospect? It's like I, I, the, one of the first things I thought of just because Auburn, um, their biggest booster is the Yellowwood guy. He's kind of yeah. a public figure. It's like, you know, that was one of the first things I thought of was like, what's preventing him to, from just having the entire team in a, in a, in a photo shoot? And then it's like, yeah, we they get paid 50 grand a year for, for marketing. You know, it's, they're on the payroll. Like I don't, I don't think anything is preventing them from doing that. From from having a Yellowwood player of the game every game and paying a hundred grand for whoever has a pick six or something. Like I don't really know. I think that is by definition against the rules. But there's just so many ways around the rules that these smart people, wealthy people, are going to be able to come up with. Like it's it's a slippery. You know slope. what we might have to do? Something I was thinking about today, and I don't know. It it seems unlikely that this could happen, but. I'm inching more towards bringing back the sit out a year no matter what if you transfer now. So I think if players are getting paid, you can sit. It's kind of like when coaches get the buyout and they're like, oh, well, you can take the money, 
but you can't coach somewhere else. Like you can still get our money for a little bit, but if you take another head coaching job, the buyout changes. Like that, if you, this would not be, I don't know how popular this would be, but like if kids have signed the NIL deal or that has happened, now that that is, the money is just so outrageous and all over the place that like maybe the way to prevent this Jordan Addison situation from happening because he's close to the pros is like, okay, you can throw money at him. And if he leaves, he has to sit out a year. Like that's the deal is like he, he has to sit out. And I think that's one way of curtailing what's happening here where how badly do you really want to transfer? Like how badly do you want this to be a thing? Because if you don't, and part of it too, I think things were weird with the extra COVID year that messed up a lot of stuff. It messed up a lot of rosters because all these guys got an extra year of eligibility. And until we get that extra year of eligibility completely out of the system, it's going to be hard to get this hundred percent right. But I don't know. I think part of me really does believe that like, okay, this is good. NIL is good, but the transfer stuff is not like the transfer stuff worries me significantly more about the health of the sport than NIL, because like you've said, and we've talked about in this very podcast is that this players have been getting paid forever. The haves have had more money and better facilities and have Bama, Georgia, Tennessee, whoever, Texas, USC, they're always going to have an advantage. And like you said, with the Southeast last week, we were like in the recruiting hotbed that they're in. And with the, with just the amount of boosters and the amount of care that people have in our area, there's always going to, they're going to dominate the sport forever. Like that's just how this sport has always been. It's how it's always going to be. There is a reason that it's significantly harder for Michigan to be a national power year over year. Now there is a reason that Nebraska is no, is never getting back to what they were in the nineties, that it's never happening again because the fan and like, it's just the players are not there. So they're having to pull from these other areas where the, it's just not to get into that rabbit hole, but like that is just the, the way it is. So when you look at all of that, I just, I think it's the transfer stuff. I think that's how we clean up a lot of this. It's like NIL is good. You're just screw it. Like you're not going to be able to fix NIL. Like you're not going to be able to fix boosters getting involved. You're not going to be able to stop the private market from doing what the private market's going to do. Like, good luck. Go after these guys, these businesses or these corporations, whoever. Guess what? They have great lawyers. And do you know what the Supreme Court or <laughs> the NCAA has no interest in doing? is going after these millionaires in Tennessee or Bama or wherever. Like, they're not doing that. They're not suing. The record's just like, not too hot going to court. The NCAA. Yeah, yeah it's not happening. I, they're not doing I it. Don't hate, I don't hate your idea of getting rid of the um, the sitting out for a yeah. transfer. It's like you have you still have the grad transfer mm-hmm. that you can, you can do without yes. sitting out. But I think I don't hate that idea. But one thing that I wonder, like we know these scholarships are not guaranteed. They're one year Mm. scholarships that essentially get renewed every year is I wonder if the NIL is like have deferred money kind of thing. Like, Mm. yeah, we're going to sign you. Like if this is the way that we actually sign players to contracts is through these NIL agreements. And, you know, maybe you have more, maybe you're willing to break the agreement because you know, you can go to another school and get a bigger NIL contract or something. But I wonder if, if maybe even that's a way to like, we'll pay you, you know, 50,000 year one, but if you stay for year two, it's a hundred thousand. If we, you stay to year, year three, it's 500,000, you know, like if that's a way to get some of these guys to, to not transfer, but under the current circumstances they ha- we have, like with the wild, wild west, it's become, I don't hate the, uh, I don't hate decentify 
decentivizing uh, transferring a little bit. Like just yeah. making the one, t- just sitting out for one year. Like you have four years, five years really to play college football. Like I don't, I don't hate that idea. Well, it also looks like, I think that's what's changing first is coaches are burnout. Like, did you listen to what I sent you with the Ion basketball podcast with uh, Norlander and Parrish? They oh did this no, week? I'm sorry. I never did. No, it's okay. So the first seven minutes, Norlander was talking about uh, his time talking to a bunch of college basketball coaches and just how burnout, like, I think he mentioned on the pod that he talked to Gary Musselman, the Arkansas head coach, and that he, during Eric, the tournament. Eric Musselman? Eric Musselman. What did I say? I think Gary. Oh, is yeah. Is that Gary right? Musselman. Eric, I think that's is there right. a Gary Musselman? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Eric Musselman, excuse me. Um, but he was, uh, he was, he told, I think it was, I think it, I'm pretty sure it was Eric Musselman who told uh, Matt that, like, hey, I was on the phone or I was having to talk. I spent more time with the transfer portal in the tournament than I did coaching and, like, focusing on the tournament games. Like, when we're at that point where it's like, you're having to worry about talking to kids in the portal while your team is literally trying to win a national championship and you're advancing and you're spending more time worrying about who's in the portal and who's not while actual games are happening during the season in the tournament. What are we doing? Like at that point, there's already a tipping point. Like you talk to any college coach, like this is just, that's the worst part of it. And like, no one's going to shed a tear because they are well compensated. It's a great gig, whatever. The other thing to be true is that you're going to have a lot more burnout. You're going to have a lot more Matt Lukes. You're going to have a lot more people that are like, screw this, man. Like, the money's great, but I'm not dealing with the portal every day. I'm not dealing with this much turnover and trying to recruit and talk to transfers and talk to people every day. Like, I just can't. It's, it's not realistic. You can't, you can't do it. So I just, I wonder, when I was listening to that, I'm like, man, there is, I think that gets changed first because I think there is enough pool between all the coaches and they're all unanimous in this. And I think players could understand this too, where it's like, man, you're getting your money and all that, but like, this is not working. Like it not having a time period of when you can enter the portal and when you can't was the dumbest thing that they did, where it was just like no rules. (laughs) You can enter the portal whenever other than the academic year on May 1st. But like what we've seen is like, and coaches are okay with this, that they think the fair way to do it, and I think this is fair for players that you read in the ESPN piece with Heather Dinich, um, is that after it's after the last game of the season, I think, um, the portal opens, and then after spring practice. Like, that's it. Like, so that makes sense, where it's like players, after spring practice, you know where you stand, and then after the season, you can revisit the portal. So you have those two windows during that time, where it's like, you could not do this during the season and we still have a dead period in the off season like that. It has to be a lot of months blocked off here for the portal. No. And that's definitely a good idea. It's just funny that college football, it has this huge albatross that it's like, that's that's just preventing so much progress from happening that no one really wants to talk about. And yeah. it's the bowl games. It's yeah. like you have a month after, because you talk about if your team didn't make the conference championship, your last game is November 27th, and maybe you mm-hmm. had a really good season, and your bowl game is on January 2nd. Like, that's a ridiculous amount of time to wait to play one game, especially mm-hmm. if you don't even know if you want to be at this school next year. Like, you're you're not going to play in that game, most likely. Like, you're, you're going to d- decide, especially with the early signing period and everything, like, being in the middle of that huge break it just it makes absolutely no sense that teams are prepping for bowl games and national championships and then there's the biggest recruiting 
weekend week of the entire season, just right mm. smack dab in the middle of it. So it's just funny because I feel like the bowl games could help get rid of like so many of these problems. Like if you just had mm. two weeks of bowl games, like two Saturdays, like right after the the conference championships in, and then those teams are done, like the sport would just make way more sense, but that's just not how we do it in college football. Like it's just bowls have to go. Like it, bowl, I'm just I'm there. Bowls have to but go. The, did you see, the TV yeah. networks just love the bowl games because they get people watching their networks at random times on December 22nd, yeah. and December 23rd. Like that that's that's why the bowl games will never leave. But it's like it's just like the biggest just like roadblock that's just in the way of so many things that college football like really like kind of needs to do to make the sport progress because like I don't know I, I know Josh Pate mentioned like revenue sharing in the bowl games like if you hmm. play if you're on the active roster for the bowl game then you can and your team wins then you make us x amount if you're yeah. sitting out the bowl game you don't get to make any of the money you know so it like to do something to these bowl games because the bowl games are such a big deal and no one cares about him anymore. Yeah. It's like Ole Miss Baylor, like that should have been like an awesome, an awesome bowl game. Like two teams that like, you know, really oh not and that's who's the other one I'm thinking of? Ohio State, Utah. Like in the Rose Bowl. Granted, mm-hmm. that wasn't a really exciting game. But Ohio State's marquee still missing players a bunch of dudes. Yeah. are sitting out the Rose Bowl. Like this is the Rose Bowl. Like, so that just seems like the biggest red flag. The granddaddy of them all, as they say. Like, that's the biggest red flag that, like, there's these huge matchups. Oklahoma and Florida playing last year. Like, those teams never play each other. Last time they played was for a national championship. Two national brands. And, like, you couldn't have cared less. That game couldn't have reflected the two teams any less than it did. It's just, we got to do something about the bowl games. My my personal, what I want to do right at this point, like, I didn't come up with a suggestion. I've just heard all kinds of ideas. Is just play the bowl games to open the next season. Like that would that would make it kind of how you have to qualify for Champions League in, in European mm. soccer like the year prior. Like if it's the if if you know that the Sugar Bowl is gonna be Baylor Ole Miss first game of next season, like there's something exciting about that. The players are gonna care. Like right now the players don't care about these bowl games and you can't make them care if they don't want to care about them. Well, and, you can't bring about a playoff and then be like, also care about this exhibition game that doesn't count towards anything when everything is about the playoff. You can't have both. And at this point, we're too far down the other way. where It's like we're just pretending that this thing still matters because it mattered for decades. But it's yeah. like it's over. Like you saw, I forgot, was it a uh, NCAA president or somebody? Or it was some school's president who said like the CFP should take control of college football from the ncaa where like the college football playoff is what runs this like fbs football is like that's what they do it's like this is just the people that run the cfp run college football and i'm actually okay with that because that would be more continuity there would probably be leadership in that scenario there would be an understanding of how this all works i think that would get get a pretty diverse group of yeah former players former coaches like Mm -hmm. people who aren't players or coaches they do seem to get a pretty good group and it's an a group that over that turns over every year too yeah every couple years maybe and they make like that is something you could do and that would actually be a governing body for this mess like there would be something like i'm actually okay with all that but but what do we do without the rose bowl parade chase i know that is the question 
I just, Rose Bowl parade is is holding the entire sport hostage. I look. I love bowl season. I grew up on it. I grew up watching, just loving bowl season, filling out my bowl predictions with the family and everything. But like, it's so silly. Like they treat it like a tryout for a lot of teams. Where like a lot of teams use bowl games now. It's like. Who can we play next year? Who should we continue? Like, yeah. we're going to throw guys out there to see, like, how they perform in this exhibition and guys that haven't played all year, and we're going to see if they're a part of our long-term plans. Like, it's You might just, as well, or to yes. keep someone happy. Like, yes. he, he's thinking about transferring. We need to get him some playing time, kind of show right. him how we'll use him in the future. Yeah, it absolutely is used for that. And it's like, that yeah. shouldn't be what's being, what we're talking about when two teams went 11 and 2 this season mm-hmm. and they never play each other and now we finally they have like the a bowl. yeah and it's just like exactly they might not they might not be tackling in bowl games here in in a few years and it's so funny too because it's like the va- like it's so hard like <laughs> the idea that sitting out and i understand it's more complicated but if you're getting if there's nil money now and there's more money maybe that changes maybe we change our tune because the opt-outs go down if so many kids are getting paid that they do play in the bowl games now if they are getting paid um i don't know like it it's but the nil money is rarely gonna be better than the nfl money though true so you got but one more game like... in your entire career it it makes sense that guys like you know this game doesn't mean anything i would rather be healthy have both my acls and get ready for the draft in, in april yeah um UGA speaking of the draft in April so UGA set a record for drafted players uh Matt Green I need Georgia fans to um calm it down because I saw my timeline I kid you not the amount of Georgia fans who were so upset about the Falcons passing on Kobe Dean multiple times and oh this oh, guy was right outrageous here. yeah how do you not take Channing Tindall how do you not take Lewis Seen? how do you not take Jordan Davis how do you not take uh insert player here and it's like, okay, two things here. It's not a bad decision to not take a Georgia player. There's this idea that like, oh, if you draft more Georgia players, there's going to be more butts and seats in, in Mercedes-Benz. That's not a good way of doing business. You don't just draft because you're like, oh, our fan base will be happy if we take this player. Over. And you're like, oh, well, it's a five-star. Obviously, it's a good player. He's coming from Georgia, national champions, all-time great defense. Great. But the idea that we should, like the Terry Fontenot and the Falcons should be thinking in the back of their mind, like we got to make sure we get at least one of these Georgia defenders in the first three rounds, even if we don't like them as much as this other guy who we think will be a better player. But it's just like we got to appease those Georgia fans. It It's so silly. And it's also like the, someone said like majority of Georgia or Falcons fans are Georgia fans. Not true. That is simply not true. The NFL is a global sport now and the amount of fans uh, from all over the world and all over this country and everything There's else. There's a strong like, overlap though. I don't think it's strong. I really don't. I think a lot of Georgia fans don't watch the NFL like that. I think there's a lot of college football fans that don't do both. Like you would, it would surprise you how many, like look at you right here. You're a good example yeah. of this. I care um, more about Georgia players in the NFL than I do one specific NFL team. Exactly. But the one thing, and I don't hate on, I didn't like the Drake London pick. Like, you know, he could be a really good receiver, but like, and you saw the receivers fly off the board after him. So like maybe mm. they felt like they had to get one. Obviously that's like a weakness for the team. So I don't really criticize them not taking a George player in the first round. But when you're taking an inside linebacker from Montana State be ahead careful. of Nicobe Dean, it's just like, 
you better be right about that decision. Like, this guy, he's got a crazy story, like, crazy prospect or whatever. But I just, I didn't understand a Kobe Dean falling the way he did. And, and in general, I think it's not just, like, to put butts in the seats. Georgia produces a lot of good NFL players. Mm-hmm. And the Falcons are a team that haven't drafted very well, I feel like, historically the last 10, 20 years or so. Honestly, the last 10 years is probably the best they've ever drafted. But they don't really, they typically just, I don't know, is that fair? That's kind of a generalization I'm making. It feels like the Falcons kind of miss on a lot of first-round picks. I mean, Dimitrov did really well. I mean, we had the best roster in football eight years ago. Um, so you might just remember the the, the busts more than the yeah. how many good ones he picks. You but know? it's also and like... Getting Matt PFF Ryan, that was obviously a huge... I mean, Julio was a huge hit. Calvin Ridley was yeah. a great hit. Jake Matthews was a hit. Um, we can go up and down. Like, they've obviously missed on the edge rushers and stuff like that, but they had Grady Jarrett, who was a late-round find. Um, and that was another one. Todd Gurley over mm-hmm. Vic Beasley over Todd Gurley. Like, they had Devontae Freeman at that time. So, mm-hmm. Devontae Freeman, like, his best years were probably Gurley's, like, first or second year in the NFL. So, like, mm-hmm. Vic Beasley at least had the one good 17-sack season or whatever he had even though he like fell off a cliff after that. But I don't, I don't hate on it as it's obviously like a little overre overreaction, overreactions a little bit, Mm. but it feels like the Falcons don't draft that many sec players, like just in the early rounds, the way, or the mid rounds, kind of like you, it, it, Kyle Pitts, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley on the outside looking in, like, cause I'm not a huge Falcons fan. It feels like the Patriots, the Patriots Mm. are constantly drafting second, third, fourth rounders, from Alabama, from Florida. Their first from like, round pick was UTC this year. This year it was, but typically they just they seem to just get so many good value picks with like mm-hmm. the Dante Hightowers in the middle of the draft and, and stuff like that. So obviously I'm generalizing over like a lot of years, <laughs> but that's kind of where Georgia fans are at with the Falcons. It's like make us care about the Falcons, and you know what I care? Then picking the right guys. That's not the Falcons' job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just don't care where they come from i don't care if it's tennessee or not like i don't care if velas jones is a fourth round pick for us like if he's there and it's like oh how do you not take velas i watched him uh how could you not take velas jones there um no i just i don't know i just think it's a silly way of going about things but we'll see how it all unfolds it's a lot of pressure that for morgan to be better than did Dean, they but... uh, did they draft a running back yes the byu kid in like round five or six they also had Zamir White, James ball. Cook. You know they, you know they, they had some needs. There's 15 went early. players. James I was Cook a little like, surprised. He was like yeah. into the second or so. Mm-hmm. To the Bills, yeah. good fit. Yeah, but I no, think he could be a real. Zeus is player. not playing football for more than like two to three years in the NFL. That man might be a cyborg, but are you betting know, on man. the health? I, I think Zeus. Uh, I think we've yet to see the best football from Zamir White. Like just seeing hmm. like how good, like like what Nick Chubb was. His Nick Chubb's the best season. example. I think he's the best uh, best case scenario. It's like Nick for Chubb sure. and Derrick Henry for Alabama and Georgia have just hit it out of the park for their teams. But, but it was like the majority have so, not. It was so obvious Nick Chubb's junior year that like this guy is not the same guy he was as a freshman. Mm-hmm. And even his senior year, he was good. But like most Georgia fans, I feel like liked Sony Michelle more that year. Like he seemed like the more dynamic guy. Like Chubb had more yards, but he also had more carries. Like, Michelle seemed like more of the home run hitter. But then, mm-hmm. like, the more, the further Chubb got from that ACL, like, this guy's, like, maybe the best running back in the NFL. So, I think Zamir White, like, he had two ACLs. And he was not the five-star 
running back in college that everyone kind of expected him to be, like top five overall player or something coming out. But that tape was there, you know, like the 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 pedigree was there at some point. So I I wonder, like if if is Zamir White, if we if we still don't really know how good he actually is, just because he's still he's still building up that strength from from two straight ACL tears. We'll see. Ultimately, um, I'm not sure, but we'll we'll see. What but I'm it was not... ultimately it was a great just three day just like. I don't know, just crush session uh, on on Georgia football. I've, I've ne- never seen anything like it in, in my uh, years as a Georgia fan. Just every, literally every single guy that could have been drafted from Georgia was drafted. They had zero undrafted free agents because they were all drafted. Like, John Fitzpatrick even got drafted by the Falcons. Yeah, right? Fitzpatrick, Jake Camarda got drafted. Like Darian Kendrick, I feel like he he went from being like, a third rounder to like a sixth rounder in his combine. Mm. I think he ran like a four seven, like maybe even worse than that. Like it was, it was pretty low, but um, Hmm. yeah, it was a, it was a good weekend. You know, Georgia fans, they're just, it's just a lot of pent up celebratory feelings. You know, we had the Braves, then we had Georgia and now you had this NFL draft. It's just like, it's like the party just keeps on going. So setting records over here. That party's going to end soon in Athens this fall because Brew McCoy and a certain Ohio State DB, Andre Turrentine, Nashville native, have both transferred to the University of Tennessee this week. Uh, it looks like Brew, it was in the making here because uh, Isaiah Nair, who I've talked about a lot on this podcast, was uh, almost University of Tennessee bound and flipped uh, to transfer to Texas, the former Wyoming kid. But Brew McCoy, former five-star kid, you texted me when I sent you that, like, oh, uh, something about, let's see if this one sticks. And for folks that yeah, don't know I the said, story. I think he's got one more school in him. Yeah. And uh, he obviously went to USC, changed his mind, went to Texas, then changed his mind again and went back to USC, did not play football this past year, played six games in 2020, but five-star talent, good outside guy. He's huge. 6'3", 220 pounds, I think. Him and Tillman will be on the outside. It gives a lot of breathing room for Jalen Hyatt and uh, Squirrel White and a lot of other dudes in the slot that will feast with those two guys out wide. But it's a huge get for Tennessee, a huge get for Heupel. Uh, Last year, they were able to bring in Javante Payton for this spot, but Payton was kind of not the best fit for what Heupel wants. Heupel wants those big dudes on the outside, and he wants those fast, speedy dudes in the in the middle, like the the Velas's and the Jalen Hyatt's and guys like that. And you needed someone else. There was not someone else outside of Cedric Tillman who was ready. Caleb Webb's not ready to be that guy's a true freshman. So big, big, big get for the Tennessee Volunteers this week. I folks, if you thought this offense was slowing down this fall, like I just I don't know what to tell you. Um, I think are we are we sure what we're getting in Brew McCoy? Like is this uh yeah. is this a poor man's Eric Gilbert? I mean, if he plays, not a poor man, a diet Eric Gilbert. No, I think he we don't puts even up know exactly what numbers. we don't know yeah. exactly what Eric Gilbert is either. But I, the one, the one season we have of each of them, I think he had a, a much better statistical year. But um, like, is that what he's supposed to be? Is he a straight wide receiver? Or no, he's he, straight he wide receiver. Feels, he's just big. He he's feels big. more like a tight end, though, right? No, you got Jacob Warren in there. He's not gonna. He's not gonna play any tight end. That man's outside. Like okay. he will be an outside receiver. He's a he's a big target, that's for sure. I'm 
I don't know. I'm skeptical of a guy who he never actually went to Texas, right? He just yeah. signed with Texas mm-hmm. and then transferred before he ever even got on yes. campus, or right after he got on campus, maybe like in the. It spring was really immediate. Like I don't have it in front of me, but it was it was a weird situation. But yeah, I think that's what it was. Was he always a USC? I think it was a long time USC. Yes, commit, and then he flipped then signed last. with Texas, yes. and then he's like, I do want to go to USC. Yeah. So I guess he hasn't actually changed schools as many times as you'd think he did, but um. Who knows, man? It's a it's a good weapon in that hypo offense. It'll I'm sure it'll be uh, he'll be used well. And the secondary sucks. So getting uh, Turrentine <laughs> is a is a big get because that was a huge area of weakness. And anyone who watched the Purdue bowl game knows that Tennessee's got a lot of work to do in the secondary. And Coach Willie Moe, who you're familiar with, Willie Martinez, uh, old Georgia DC, as our defensive oh, backs yeah. coach. Um, high-energy guy uh, who doesn't love Willie Martinez. Big Willie guy up here. But Tim Banks, big year for him, bounce back. Because um, the defense showed progress. The defensive line, like Byron Young was a huge hit. Uh, Tyler Barron on the other side. And Barron has a connection um, with Turrentine, I think. They, uh, they, I think when they played high school ball together, I want to say. Um, could be wrong there, but I'm, I want to say that's how it was. And then Barron transferred to Knox Catholic. But... Um, either way, the biggest thing still remaining for Tennessee portal wise is they needed another tackle. They needed an offensive tackle pretty bad. And, uh, with this schedule, I think, uh, I'm interested to see post spring practice who they, who they dip into the portal for. Cause I don't think Tennessee's done. I think they have one more, uh, not, maybe not big name, but they need another body at offensive tackle. It's not like the situation where Dan Mullen was in, uh, what was that a year or two ago? With his the state of his offensive line, where we're like, oh god, like uh, there's nothing there, and Emory Jones is gonna die behind this offensive line. But um, I don't know, just excitement and uh, the hype train moving right along. Well, you know, every player that transfers from Ohio State is the next Joe Burrow. So That's true. How does that work for a secondary guy? Safety equivalent to Joe Burrow. So mm-hmm. who's, what's the safety equivalent to uh, to Joe Burrow? Is that a uh, you know? Mm-hmm. Jamal Adams, is that how good this guy's going to be? Who knows? Mm. Um, Maybe. But uh, I mean, he's got talent. He obviously, the reason he transferred is just he's not going to play this year in a deep secondary in uh, in Buckeye land. So I mean, that's honestly like, I how I felt about one of the commits in this um, 2022 Georgia class, uh, mm. Jaheim Singletary. He was yeah. like a longtime Ohio State commit. So I'm like, Ohio State just seems to get the most elite players. Like, they seem to get mm-hmm. only elite players. So if this guy was good enough for Ohio State, you know, maybe we'll come in and ball for us. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what we what uh, Tennessee's getting in Turrentine. There you go. Is it uh, Turrentine? It is Turrentine. It's football time in Tennessee. Not yet. Not quite. But, uh, you know, Turrentine has me thinking and feeling all kinds of Tennessee uh <laughs> vibes right now i don't know if you knew this or not uh still only four losses in the tennessee baseball season as georgia comes to town next weekend They're big time big time school big time or big and everything school some might say i was waiting but, for uh, that yeah. <laughs> but uh i was gonna say big time team by accident it's at school but uh also i want to inform you that the word guy mm-hmm. is a noun and it can also be used as a verb which a verb don't ask me how, but... Um, how is that a verb? Um, I just typed guy, form of speech, and it said guy can be a noun or a verb. So hmm. um, I'll, uh, I'll get back to you on how it can be... Well, here we go. Use it to, in a sentence. Guy used as a verb to equip with a guy. 
That's not a that's not a verb. To make fun of, to ridicule. Okay, I'm not I may have got on the wrong website. I don't know. Word wordtype.org, you'd think that has some good stuff, but uh I don't know. It says hmm. it says noun a verb. It's not a pronoun. I think that's what yeah. the main the main thing we're looking for. Uh, Matt Green, it's time for our main event here. Uh, this was your idea this week. Rivalries, it's a rivalry week here. On, don't Hey, it's not late November, folks. It's not late November, but it's still rivalry week here on uh, the uh, May 4th edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast, the full ride on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Now, rivalry so, week sounds a little tricky. You really got to enunciate all those. Uh, okay, I'm glad it's not just me. That's one. I was struggling through that, and I was like, why am I struggling through this? Um, rivalry. It's like a red week. leather, yellow leather, red leather. Yeah. Rivalry okay. week. I had not like you read it and you listen to other people say it, but I don't ever actually say it out loud. And it's like rivalry week. Yeah, that's a <laughs> tough one. That's uh, one I have to stay slow. But yeah, um, we got a couple cri- different criteria here. So yeah. we both wanted to say like some old school rivalries that don't play all the time that need to play every single year. Then just some underrated rivalries out there. Mm-hmm. And then also just some uh, games games we want to be rivalries. Like, we want mm. these. They don't necessarily play, but we want them to play every year. So you want to you start it off? You want me to start it off? Well, you've got the surprise, so I think you should start. I'm curious to see where we go here. So, um, well, the first one's not a surprise. We got Clemson, Georgia. Mm-hmm. That's uh, That seems obvious. Like, we used to see these teams play all the time. Luckily... If you count last year, we're getting six matchups in the next 13 years, if you count back to last year. So that's good. But these teams are located so close to you. And, and luckily, I think only two of those are neutral-sided. So mm-hmm. four of the next five are going to be on campus, which that's what college football is all about. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Georgia Clemson, they're, they're just located so close to each other. We need to see that one every year. I love Georgia Clemson. I grew up on Georgia Clemson, and I love that it. I love the time it had. Here's the other thing we have to mention: it matters when these games happen too. It's not just these games need to happen; it matters when they take place. Like there, you can't do Auburn Alabama at the beginning of the year or even the middle of the year. That has to be the last weekend. Like there are some rivalries that have to happen late, and some rivalries actually have to happen early. I think Clemson Georgia has to happen opening weekend it has to be hot like that is something i associate with georgia clemson is it's hot as hell when you look at death valley when they're coming down the rock and you're like man it is smoking and georgia and clemson are going to be hot in this football game that this is going to be a hot affair and that's just it's a it's a smoke show but (laughs) i mean that's just that's what it has to be i think for this game to happen it has to be the first weekend is that how they have it scheduled is it going to be opening weekend every year I believe so. Yeah, they mm. uh, for the next. I think it's through like twenty thirty two or something like that. Yeah, but um, but yeah. But they had it at night back, this past year. Can't do it again. I don't care. No, you can't I'm do it again. For, I'm all for it at night. I feel why like especially three thirty baby. Like you, like you said, it's 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 hot. For That's that, what I want that Memorial Day weekend. So, um, I don't hate it. I, it on campus too. I guess on neutral site, I like it to be a night primetime game, but hmm. um. On campus, I could I could get down with the with the earlier game, but they've played sixty times in their history, hmm. um, and from what was it nineteen? They don't play. They've never played 
for most of their history, they have not played every year. But mm-hmm. they did play every year from 62 to 87. And then there's there's a lot more in there. But um, so that's 25 straight years of them playing. It's like that's enough. That's enough to where we know we want to play this. We want to see this every year. Like, and if, if we did like, we could play Clemson every year, but instead we're seeing Georgia play Troy and mm-hmm. Wofford and UAB. It's like, with all due respect to all of those programs, that doesn't move the meter like Clemson, especially with how big Clemson has gotten. They feel like one of the, one of the bigger teams, like in like that Metro Atlanta area, it feels like maybe a lot just due to Sean, to Sean Watson, but they're just... What is it like? Two hours, an hour and a half up eighty-five from Atlanta. Like yeah. it's it's not far away. So um, they just with the proximity alone. Like we got we got to see that every year. Yeah, I agree. And people who are like, oh well, they cannibalize each other when these two premier programs play early, and it changes the season, and it might end their season week one because of it's like th- there's this idea that this false reality for a lot of folks because it's happening like what's happening right now you talk about this with bama a lot which is a good point where it's like everyone operates in fear of bama and like oh and like you forget that this is not forever like you cannot make rules about alabama and what saban's doing right now because he will not be there forever one day there was a time not before saban mark price all the or mike price and all that kind of stuff where the the shula years where they weren't bama they it was a totally different thing and we've seen clemson before Dabo and what like georgia clemson will not always be a number one versus number three type battle so it's like yeah. the idea that you shouldn't schedule this every year because you worry that it's going to be cannibalizing each other every year it's silly because like it's not always going to be like that there's going to be ups and downs it's going to be there's going to be changes I remember as like a 14 year old, mm. I I thought this is a red flag that college football is going in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Lee, Cor- it was like a preseason college football show, and Lee Corso was picking his national champion, and he picked Cal to win it all <laughs> that year in 2004. Okay. Aaron Rodgers was probably there, so there was a good squad. But it wasn't because he thought Cal was the best team in the country. It's because he thought Cal had the best schedule that could get them to the national championship Hmm. and potentially win the national championship. And as like a 14-year-old, I'm like, well, that's not what you're supposed to be making your predictions (laughs) on. You're supposed to be predicting who you think is the best team. Like that's Hmm. that's just dumb. So it's almost like these these schools have to operate like in good faith. Like, yeah. We're going to go schedule big-time games because you're also going to go out there and schedule big-time games. And that team over there is also going to go out there and try to schedule all the big-time games they can. And then we're not as worried about just teams with cupcakes on their schedule. So, yeah, it, right now it sounds ridiculous to say that Clemson and Georgia should be playing every year. But if you saw some other matchups happening every year, it, it wouldn't seem as ridiculous. But it's like, how, how do we get that ball moving, you know? Yeah. Um, but, um, well, we'll what's, what's your first one? My first one, Texas, Arkansas. So I, mm. I love this one because I think, well, Arkansas and A&M are obviously both in the, both in the SEC West now, but I don't think it's the same. I think there is something different that like Texas, Arkansas, that would be so much more fun if they play more often. And like Texas, obviously going to the SEC, we'll see how often they play and stuff like that. But Arkansas being where they are at right now, like Texas would kill to be in the situation Arkansas is in. Arkansas gets a lot of kids from the state of Texas. They have to pull from there. You have the Jerry Jones factor here. Like the the <laughs> fact that he is an Arkansas alum. He owns the Dallas Cowboys. 
Like you have that conflict there. His son or his grandson, excuse me, played at, uh, plays there, played there. I don't know. Stephen Jones still a quarterback in that uh, quarterback room in Arkansas. I don't think anymore. I think he finally graduated or moved on. But um, I do think that this is something that it makes too much sense. I think the it would pack out. Like I would love a back and forth home and home. Like don't play at Jerry World. I mean, I guess you'd have to if you're going to call it the Jerry Jones Bowl. The Jerry World. It is kind of sexy. I wouldn't hate yeah. if they did that. The Jerry Bowl, like that would be something that would be super cool. And I think both <laughs> fan bases would love it. Arkansas, obviously, I mean, just them being in the SEC, Texas being in the Big 12. I, I would be more intrigued by Arkansas, Texas playing significantly more often. Because I think if you put Arkansas these last couple of years and some of the best Arkansas teams in those Big 12 conferences those years, they could be the best team in that conference. And they could, we just have a completely different feel and look at Arkansas if they were not in the sec west they are a victim of the sec west and i think if you put them in the big 12 with all those other brothers and former brothers in texas and oklahoma and all that like we have a completely different take on what arkansas can be and what kind of program they are um so i would love to see them play uh more often at, at the very least that's a good call they uh they played every single year from 1932 to 1991 Ooh. So that's a, and then 1992, obviously they joined the SEC along with South mm-hmm. Carolina and, uh, and that ended. So Texas and Arkansas, they just fit each other. Like they, we've seen a few times they played in bowl games. I think Houston nut, I don't know if that mm-hmm. was a bowl game or a regular season when Houston nut rocked the horns down and everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's just, it's just a good, it, it, sh- it just should, like we said, it just should be a rivalry. That's Hogs versus horns, year. baby. Yeah. I like it. I Sign me. I don't know if Jerry Jones, you know, I don't know if he's got a big enough ego to name it the Jerry Bowl. I don't think he would do something like that. Though. I would do it. Like, who cares? Like, that, <laughs> no, that's I'm how we joking. all know it. it would make Jerry it really Jones would put deal. his name over everything, without yeah. a doubt. Um, but uh, my next one uh, is Florida and Miami. Mm. So I did a little research on Florida and Miami. The Brock Berlin Bowl. The Brock <laughs> Berlin Bowl. Excellent call there um that was an amazing game too yes uh they played every year from 1933 to 1987 hmm so it's it's hard to ignore the the years the timeline with that like they, they started to get real good in the 80s and florida was like nah forget this this is i don't we're not trying to play this team every year anymore um i don't know if that had anything to do with it but um yeah that's just we you know and it, right now, it's another one like Georgia Clemson. It's ridiculous to expect Florida, who has Florida State on their schedule every single year, which doesn't mm-hmm. mean as much, hasn't meant as much the last few years, but to have Florida State at a conference on your schedule every year, it's pretty outrageous to think you'd also play Miami every year. Mm-hmm. But like we said, under a different circumstances, under different college football, Power Five teams playing Power Five teams, this is just it's just awesome to see these big programs in, in Florida all play each other. Like, like that, that state championship that like, mm-hmm. that might actually mean something. I know there's, there's some like Dabo likes to call the South Carolina game, a state championship. That's why they rock the orange pants for that. The, the championship orange pants for that. But there's two schools there, right? Mm-hmm. But Florida, Florida state, Miami, those are all big time programs that it's just good for college football. If they're playing every year. Yeah. I mean, was Wait, was that the last regular season game? Was Grossman Berlin? Was that it? No, no, they've uh, they've played they played a couple years ago. Remember the 150th anniversary? Uh, they Who opened on week zero. 
with with Felipe Franks. Uh, I do remember that now. Yes. Yeah, twenty twenty nineteen. But they yeah. also played uh, with with Randy Shannon and um, and Urban Meyer were there because like okay. Urban Meyer like kicked a couple of late field goals. Like yes. and Randy Shannon got real pissed off. I do remember that now. But yeah, so they've played a few times, and they've actually mm-hmm. played. I know they played in the Peach Bowl one year. I don't know if they played in a bowl another time. I might be remembering. I don't know, but they have played each other a few times in recent years. But um, it's just not like they once did. So like, let me. I had but it's like cut out here. FIU. Like just play Miami. Like what are we doing here? Just cut out like the the yeah. random games. Like you can fit in Miami, and it's like folks want that. Like that's the whole thing. Is like if you want to decrease the attendance problem in college football have that why is that not on the calendar every year you want to get butts in seats for miami and florida at, at least guarantee and that's 100 percent the problem with the attendance it's yes. that these games aren't any good like that's mm-hmm. that's the games that people aren't going to so yeah looking at florida miami they after 87 they didn't play again until 2001 and that mm-hmm. was actually the sugar bowl and then um oh two and oh three they played each other Oh three would have been that uh, that Brock Berlin game we're talking about, and then oh mm-hmm. four they played in the Peach Bowl. I remember Devin Hester getting like a taunting penalty for like high stepping on a on like a blocked field goal. But see, or that's something. the other thing is like players do like there's more of that emotional stuff. We'll get some crazy moments where players are celebrating and mocking the other guys. You'll get the horns down. You'll get all kinds of yeah, random stuff like because it is a rivalry. Like there's yes. something there, and it's like that's there's why these emotion. teams need to be playing every year. Like UCF, it's like. I want Florida to have a different schedule, so they can't be playing everyone in Florida every single year. But you year. can play UCF you have... every uh, like every three years or something. Yeah, you could do something like that for sure. But Miami, Florida, and Miami are too big, too close to not be playing every single year. Um, my next pick: Colorado, Nebraska, the Chris Brown Express. Uh, <laughs> I'll never forget when Chris Brown and the Colorado Buffaloes ran all over the Nebraska. Bobby Corn Purify. Huskers. Yes. And ruin their season. It was a. It was a. But great they didn't. Thing. They went to the what, national championship. After I know. That. Well, we after thought they did. Like after. sixty hung on them or something. Yes. What was it? I'll have to. I'll have to pull that up. I remember that whole game. Mr. Jackson on the call, like the the legendary uh, Tom. Was it Tom Jackson or Keith what was Jackson? Name? Keith Jackson. Yeah. Um, just great call. And I remember being in my living room. How young was I at that point? But I was glued to Buffaloes versus. Uh, versus Huskers in that one. And that's just a game where it's like, they're very close, obviously, in proximity. Uh, A lot of history there, two Midwest schools. And, you know, the color contrast, I like that. I like the black and gold and the red and white. Uh, I just, I think that's one that was a great rivalry for a long time. And it just, it faded away. And that's not the only time we're going to throw, or I guess it is the only time we'll throw Nebraska in this particular one. But yeah, I don't know. I think Colorado Nebraska was a really cool one that that went away. Yeah, I um I agree with I liked that one. That's an old school Big Twelve North rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's crazy that neither of them are in the Big Twelve. So like, not yeah. only did they are they not the same conference? It's like they both went their separate ways, mm-hmm. right? Um, at least we got to see this in 2018 and 2019. They mm-hmm. you know they renewed the series a little bit. Nebraska, they're like all they all we have is tradition. Yes. Like, that's all we have to, to, to sell the people. So we need to start getting these traditional games back on the schedule. But, but yeah, without a doubt, like, this was a, this was a good one. They played every year. It looks like from, like, 1948 until, until they both left the conference in, in what was that, 2010? So, mm. I mean, that, that was going for, like, 60 straight years or so. So it's, 
If you're playing someone for 60 straight years, you're rivals. That's, yes. that's a lock. You got to lock that in all uh, every year. What is uh, what's your next one, man? So this was the pro- the one I'm surprised you didn't throw hmm. on your list was Texas and Texas A&M. Mm. We too obvious, get, I guess. I didn't even. We go- got to get Texas yeah. Texas A&M. It really is. It's like the most obvious one. Yeah, exactly. Either was it on Thanksgiving night or like that Friday after? It was the Friday after. But but yeah. Oh, actually, looking at it, it looks like they did do a few times on uh, on Thursdays. The, actually, the last four times they played was on thir- on actual Thanksgiving. Was but, it really? Yeah, hmm. but then like was oh ninety six to oh seven. They're on they're on Friday. All of yeah, those. Yeah, that's what I remember. Years. Yeah, for sure. So like this is like such a heated rivalry. Like mm. there's no plans to even play like any time in the future. Like I feel like Texas is so salty about. Texas A and M going yeah. off the SEC and actually getting better. Like right now, so A&M bad is blood. Better... It's envious. Like it's embarrassing yeah, that Texas doubt. won't do it. Yeah. But the best part about this one is we're gonna get it back. Like we don't yeah. know how much we're gonna get it back, but it's coming back. Like in these reports about uh, the conferences and everything, like maybe it's gonna happen sooner. Maybe 2022 is the last year we have uh, before Oklahoma and Texas join the conference. So. We at least can see this one on the horizon happening again. But yeah, Texas, Texas A&M, just because you have that cool Thanksgiving weekend tradition, like we got to get that back. For sure. I'm I'm here for it. And I guess if we go to pods in the SEC, like Texas and A&M are going to be in a pod together. You bet gotcha. they better not. They, I, will, I will be so, so pissed if they uh, find a way to get it. They're like, no, we got to separate us. We don't want to play each other every year. You're not doing that. You're separating and m and uh you know so what would be hilarious is if you do ou texas and a&m and then throw poor mizzou in that pod like that would be a delight because they're like mizzou we have nowhere else but you like you're gonna yeah, have like to arkansas you want to associate with these guys yeah go, go yeah, be one that's of them. What you, god that art that would be cruel cruel to do that to arkansas you don't think arkansas would trade that in a second they're like don't play alabama every year bet we're we're down with that well i think don't play they, alabama and every, they gotta play lsu though arkansas yeah, the golden say, boot, be, they gotta they gotta get that one in there i think the most logical pod for them would be lsu I, i'd have to think about this old the, miss the pod, the pods State. is flawed i don't yeah i don't know about this pod system i'm really but, I think, like I, think I, though, I think I think I have the system. I think my I think my system was the best system. And I think okay. uh maybe Bill Connolly had a similar like the mm-hmm. locked rivalries. Yes. That's that's the way we gotta go with it. But um yeah, they played every year from nineteen fifteen to two thousand eleven. Hundred and nine times in their history. Like no business not playing every year. So luckily we'll we'll get it we'll get it soon enough. Probably sooner, soon probably before we see Georgia go and play at Texas A&M. We'll probably see Texas <laughs> and Texas A&M play by then. Um, well, we have another one here, Matt Green. We've got uh, Pitt, West Virginia, the backyard brawl. One of my yes. go-tos. I thought about throwing Marshall, West Virginia here, but I don't think they're close anymore, where it's like the Power 5, Group of 5 thing, where it's like yeah. it feels like you can't have a rivalry when it's that much of a disparity between the talent right where it's like it's not fair they're not it's not a level play playing field and i don't think you can be a, a true rivalry when the playing field's that skewed that's true and that's where it feels like like a georgia georgia tech is getting that's yeah like, i was about to say why, that yeah it's like why are you even playing them anymore it's like you're really only giving them an opportunity to to get some of your national spotlight like they're it's gonna be a fluke if, if georgia tech wins so it's 
and you and as a Georgia fan, you don't even think about that rivalry until you lose, and you're like, wow, yes. I actually, I actually do hate that team. I forgot. It's the about same that. with Tennessee Vanderbilt. <laughs> like the only time Tennessee yeah. thinks about Vanderbilt is when we lose and the coach gets fired. Like that's it. Like if you lose <laughs> to Vanderbilt, that means everything went really bad, like really bad, and you're out. So losing to Vanderbilt is the the kiss of death and and kneeling. But uh, West Virginia, Pitt. They're back. They're playing, I think, the next four years. Um, that's good. They've, they're playing a lot in the next decade like a, or so. And then, like, another four-year yes. agreement, I think, later on, too, in the decade. And I commented under when they announced it. I'm like, so you can do this. Like, why are y'all jumping through all these hoops where it's like, all right, we're going to do this four, and then we'll do four years off, and then we'll do, just do it every year. Just make this simple. Just yeah. do it every year. Like, you don't have to overcomplicate this. Just the fans want it. Like, you already yeah. pushed West Virginia to the Big 12 where they're not in close proximity to anyone anymore. Like West Virginia has no proximity rivalries anymore because Marshall's off the calendar. You don't play Pitt every year and all your conference members are way the hell away from you. Like what are you supposed to latch onto if you're a Mountaineer fan? Like there's no, nothing you can even a close drive for you. Like there's nothing. I think this has to be the number one cause of like the attendance issue that there is in college football is that, that these rivalries were the lifeblood of the sport. Like, and so all of the, we talked about Maryland last week. Like, is there a team that's more Atlantic coast than Maryland? Mm-hmm. Like, that's like, that, that's almost the state that represents the Atlantic coast, you know? So to, for, to, for them to be playing Nebraska and Ohio state and Michigan and these Midwestern teams, it just, it doesn't fit. And it doesn't like, it doesn't do anything for the fans. Like the fans know mm-hmm. Duke Duke is coming to town like in college basketball. Like Maryland Duke was just an awesome rivalry for years, you know? And and you just you, you lose that. So like yeah, with West Virginia, like all you all you have like you're not close to anyone out there in, mm-hmm. in West Virginia except for Pittsburgh. Like I saw this map that was like the um the most popular professional sports teams by state. And so it was kind of mm-hmm. interesting there was some like like the the Falcons would be Atlanta or Georgia, but like the Braves would be like the state of Alabama or something like kind of weird mm-hmm. ones like that. And the most popular team in Pennsylvania in any sport is the Eagles, but the most popular team in West Virginia was the Pittsburgh Steelers because mm-hmm. Pittsburgh and West Virginia they're they're in the backyard like the backyard brawl like so they're just we we got to see these regional rivalries more than anything like that's just that's what makes the sport and I'm glad they're at least you know, making an effort to start playing this game again. Like they played every year from 1919 mm-hmm. until 2011. So like, this is another one. They've almost played a hundred times in their history. Like they're separated by like a couple hours, like get it on the schedule every year. I don't disagree. Um, where are we going next? Um, my next one for you is Notre Dame, Michigan. Hmm. So this one is one that's played almost every year but mm-hmm. it's not every year and it's kind of weird yeah. to me like if you just like they've played 33 times since 1978 so 33 times in the last 44 years like that is good but if you look at right now they played every year from 2002 to 2014 then they played in 2018 and 2019 the next time they're playing is 2033 and 2034 like Notre Dame and Michigan this just has to be an every year thing. Like, I feel like I just, it was one of the first games I kind of remember, like 
one of those first national games every year, like how Florida-Tennessee was kind of usually that first big SEC game, like week three or week four. I feel like mm-hmm. Notre Dame-Michigan would always be that week two, week three, like a big-time national atmosphere. And, um, yeah, I feel like these programs that are that are clinging so heavily to the tradition, which I feel like mm-hmm. Michigan and Notre Dame would, you know, kind of sum that up just about more as much as anybody – like you have to keep those traditions and I'm kind of surprised that this rivalry didn't go back further. Like they really only started mm-hmm. playing in the seventies, but um, this is just one that just fits so well. Like I honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing Notre Dame like have rivalries like everyone in the big 10 really. Like they just, but you can't it, do that when just, you're in the ACC. You're no, basically you in the can't. ACC. You just can't do it. But see, yeah. you know, it's interesting. I wasn't going to throw Michigan. I was going to throw where like, they're in the same conference now, so it's a little bit different, but or technically because they play an ACC schedule. But I do think Boston College Notre Dame should play every year. Like that's one of those where mm. it's like they their helmets are close, the pageantry, <laughs> the history. Uh, I don't know. There's something about Notre Dame and Boston College that I think should play every year. And there it is feels uh, it feels like Boston fan. I guess it's the Irish thing, right? Yes. I guess Boston fans it just yeah. feel like Notre Dame fans. Mm-hmm. Um, that might not be great for Boston College. They might not be. <laughs> They uh, sure. might get run out of their own building. But um, I'm thinking if they go every year, I want to see Catholics versus convicts every year, man. Oh, no. Yeah. I know it's not, not PC, but Notre Dame-Miami, I feel like that was a that was always a good one. Nice True. little culture war. Um, My last one, Kansas-Mizzou. The border war. Like, this is one that's like... Mizzou's not playing for SEC titles anymore. They had that early run when they first joined the conference and caught everybody off guard, and then that was like, done there. Enjoyed that. Goodbye. Um, back to the, <laughs> back to just having fun and going for bowl eligibility every year for the rest of the time. Um, no, but I think the border war, man, we, we go back to Chase Daniel versus Todd Reesing, number one, number two. I was, was going to say, do you know this game outside of the 2007 <laughs> matchup? That was like well, the, I mean, only, the only one I could think of. I mean, they're right there. They're close in proximity. That like, Why not put this on the calendar? When you look at Mizzou's early schedule, you're like, this should never have gone anywhere. This is silly. Like, You should play this game every year. Like, This is a non-conference that should happen every year. Um, I don't know. I don't know why they, why they dropped it, but it's... Uh, it's time. When was the last time they played? Last time they played was 2011. Mm. So, literally, since they joined the SEC, they have not played. And do you want to know how when these teams started playing? It's going to be the 1800s. So close. 1901. Ooh. So, they played 110 times every single year since 1901. Like, do you have a guess who leads the series? Kansas. Incorrect. Missouri, 54, 48, and 8. That's close. It is. Uh, a lot closer than I was kind of expecting. And the last uh, the last five they played were all in, in Kansas City. So, like, mm. that's kind of cool. Like, Kansas City right there on the border of Kansas yeah. and Missouri. Like, that's a pretty cool little thing they There's can do. There's literally the a Kansas City, war. Missouri, and Kansas. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I'm all for it. It's like... I think it's a good thing we named it last. It's the bottom of my priorities of this one. <laughs> These I literally could only name the one time they, that it was actually relevant. It was with, on the uh, cover of SI, man. I remember who, that was must-see television, dude. That was a big, big game. It really was. What a, what a time um, to be alive. 
What a time. Uh, now let's hit, uh, quickly moving through these last couple. So we've got the ones that aren't rivalries that we think should be. We each have one here. Um, I'll throw mine out first. Tennessee, Virginia Tech. I've been on my soapbox before about this. You'll see a lot of like kids, they'll put in like their final six, and you'll see VT and Tennessee in there a lot together, um, especially in basketball, and the proximity's close. They played the game in Bristol that was a huge hit um the like bristol obviously bristol tennessee and you have the nascar race there and all that but hokie land is not far from tennessee we're not far well, and like, bristol is on the border right is it correct bristol virginia or is it it's only in bristol, bristol tennessee? tennessee yeah okay so they're close and <laughs> when you go to north carolina like the western point of north carolina the east tennessee like that whole area of virginia is all very very close to each other so it's like there is no reason that we should not have Virginia Tech, Tennessee be a yearly thing. Because, look, when you go to Dollywood and you look around and you see what two college teams you see, like most people rocking, like in East Tennessee or in that area, ton of Virginia Tech stuff and a ton of Tennessee stuff. When I drive around Knoxville, I see some Virginia Tech stuff. And it's one of those where it's like, obviously, Virginia Tech's not the premier, premier brand that you want to like they're a great brand. Like you have inner Sandman, good home atmosphere. For sure. But they're you know a respectable be cool? program for sure. Yeah. Like I would love to have a reason to go to Blacksburg every other year and go experience that in person and then do Bristol like once every five or something. And that was a big hit. Like Tennessee, Virginia Tech. I don't know I think how many would... times we need to do the Bristol again. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like once every five. It was five, just so every far ten. from the field. I don't True. Know. It was a cool atmosphere, you know? Mm-hmm. And if, if Tennessee's not playing Virginia Tech, it's like, how are they gonna? How are they gonna win any trophies? You know. <laughs> I'll just throw in some shade because they did celebrate that game like they won a championship. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of trolling there. Champions but, of life, if you will, <laughs> without a doubt. But uh, that game was awesome, though. I remember watching mm-hmm. that game. Um, Alvin, you know, Kamara. I'm a big uniform guy. You know, those Virginia Tech. You know, I don't like teams not rocking their colors, but True. those were straight. Those were kind of cool little black and gray ones they rocked. But, um, yeah, I didn't know how close they were until that game when they talked about mm-hmm. Bristol being, like, the midway point and everything. So, I don't know about doing it at Bristol again. It, it's just with how close these two schools are, you got to start playing each other. It would just be a really cool regional rivalry. And, like, yeah, go to Blacksburg, go to Knoxville. I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, Geography. The, Geography yes. is what we need to focus on. Like, just because play fans the teams can that are go. close to you. Exactly. Because fans can go and the attendance problem fixes itself because fans can go if they're like oh this is only an hour away or this is for like fine rivalries and fine games that are big games that are easy for fans to get to like it should not be that hard if you want to fix a lot of that make it easy for fans to get to those games yeah exactly um that's that's it right there i just um, we throw that out the window for your preferred rivalry here because it's not gonna be easy for either of these fans to do this that's very true. Hey, but these both of these fans have fans from all all over the country, um, all over the world. Yeah, there you go. Notre Dame and BYU. You could really throw Notre Dame in with like so many of these because they just mm-hmm. with all their tradition. Like I thought about Notre Dame, Ohio State. Like that just mm. we are going to get that in twenty twenty two. Like that, those just seem like two teams that should be playing a lot. But um, but Notre Dame and BYU. You got the the Catholics versus the Mormons. Like both the independent schools out there. Like play each other like i'm all for it i feel like that would just be a cool one 
that could that could eventually become a rivalry. It's not nearly as yeah. good as all the rationale you had around um, Virginia Tech, Tennessee. But I, w- I would just like to see it. Notre Dame, BYU. I think they've only played like a handful of times uh, ever. But uh, the last time they played was 20, 2013. So they have played eight eight mm. times in their history between ninety two and twenty thirteen. So I'm not the only one. Someone mm. else saw this in the nineties. Like you know, we should be playing the Mormon school. It's a, it's there's some marketing there. What did they so, call the Coastal BYU game? Mormons versus what? What was it? Uh, mullets. Mormons mullets. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. That was that, and that was awesome. And the fact mm. that they threw that in, together in a week. It's yeah. like I don't want to hear it. College ads and everybody. Mm. Give me these games. I like it. Um, the last three are ones. How do we want to frame these last three? I feel like these are your underrated rivalries. The underrated. Okay. Um, we'll hit on these three together. So my three underrated, Coastal App State, which had a great game this past year. And I think their proximity, the battle, the the premier North Carolina Sunbelt team, the premier South Carolina Sunbelt team, both fun, both passionate fan bases, cool colors, um, cool offenses, good history, and I think both in it would cool be fun. parts of the country too. Mm-hmm. Like ones Myrtle near the Beach coast, Boone, ones Carolina. near the, in yeah. the mountains, yeah. Ones on the beach, yeah. I think a little it's surf just... and turf. I don't mm-hmm. know if that applies to this. <laughs> keep going i think it could be a good thing like Got i think that. there's a lot of marketability there and i think it could be a fun thing if we uh increase the the uh the stuff there with app state and coastal but the other one utah byu i think is actually like sneaky just and now they're going to be in different conferences you'll have byu in the big 12 you have utah in the yeah, pac 12 I, f- I feel like that one's finally started to get like its recognition nationally yeah. for like how like much the teams hate each other but yeah mm-hmm. just hopefully we don't lose that with the with i the hope not realignment but can't the make last any promises. One, uh, that's true. Last one, Nebraska, Iowa, which is where Nebraska is now. Like this, Nebraska should just want to be Iowa. Like they're not going to be who they were <laughs> years ago. Like the corn husk. Like we have the corn crossover here with Iowa yeah. and Nebraska. They play each other at the end of the year. I think there actually is a case to be made that this could be Nebraska's like long term great rivalry. Is that Iowa, Nebraska? They should recruit the same kind of players. They're in the same area. It should be one of those ground and pound, like just fun late season. It's cold as hell. And, you know, two great premier college football programs over the years, but they're also two programs where you're like, there's a ceiling. You can't win a title at Iowa. You can't win a title at Nebraska anymore. You can be damn good for a while. You can be consistent. You can build a good program. It's, but it, it can't be fun. Can't be fun. It's just got to be defense, a lot of running the football, some below average quarterback play. And let's make it happen. I think that's. Uh, I think there is real promise if we can get Iowa and Nebraska both good at the same time. Where I think at the end of the year, the Big Ten West, if there's a Big Ten West decided by Nebraska and Iowa that last week of the season, like we see sometimes with Bama and Auburn and stuff like that, like I, at Michigan, Ohio State, obviously, that could be fun. So I think there is. That's a not a looming giant, but a looming uh, six foot one guy right there a, a, a looming medium medium-sized person uh with uh, nebraska iowa i think it could be a lot bigger uh, in the not too distant future yeah i could see that that's more it's like i just i just want them to be rivals it's mm-hmm. like i want the, and you know what it's gonna take it's gonna take nebraska yeah looking at the 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 series since they joined the big 10 i was basically beat iowa? dominated them 
Like, yeah. Yeah, so they actually – so 2012 is when the, the SEC – Goes back, so that's kind of what my my date. But I think they mm. I think they joined the Big Ten in 2011. Yeah, so yeah, it was since joining the Big ago. Ten in 2011, they've only beaten Iowa three times. So mm. Iowa's now one, two, three. Was that eight straight? I think Iowa's won in this series. So am I counting that right? Seven straight. Iowa's won in this series. So mm. Nebraska's got to make it a rivalry. And I feel like like you said, Iowa is like the like the worst thing to happen in Nebraska kind of it's like there's some of the Nebraska fans like well we're, you know we're never going to be good again because of XYZ it's just a different national landscape we can't really recruit like we once did or whatever it's like well look mm-hmm. at Iowa Iowa's doing the same thing should be doing the same thing we are they, they've had good teams so there's no reason we can't have good teams too so yeah I, I want this to be a bigger rivalry I also want to throw in one last one for Tory. Because mm-hmm. the first time we saw, she saw Wisconsin and Michigan playing, she was okay. like, this has got to be a huge rivalry, right? <laughs> and I was just, it just made me laugh because I'm like, no, not really. I mean, I'm sure Wisconsin and Michigan fans like don't like each other. I'm sure it's, it's a big game when they play, but mm-hmm. that was just a funny one to me. It's like, yeah, they're, they're up there, but no, they don't, they're not really... And I get I get that geography confused. Is Minnesota next to Michigan or is Wisconsin? Wisconsin's I'm next to Michigan. I'm not the geography guy. Don't put me so on the Minnesota's, spot. So Minnesota's west of, of Wisconsin. No, I, mm-hmm. I – so, yeah. Wisconsin, Michigan, they they touch up there the Upper Peninsula. Like, it seems like this should be a rivalry. Hmm. Well, there you go. There you go. Uh, Matt Green. We can find me on Twitter at Matt underscore W underscore Green. And get all the great college football stuff from your Twitter feed. And who knows what kind of Twitter spat you'll find yourself in on a weekly basis. But go give Matt a follow if you've not already done so. And uh, we do this every Thursday here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. So thank you again, sir. And uh, I will talk to you next week. Yes, sir. All right. That'll do it for this edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. The full ride here on the Chase Thomas Podcast with fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green. Make sure you go ahead and follow him on Twitter if you have not already done so, Matt underscore W underscore Green, and check out all of his great CFB content there. Um, If you enjoyed today's show and you have not already done so, make sure you go ahead and leave this show a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcast. Tell a friend, family member, coworker about this very program, why you like it, why you listen to it, and why uh, they should listen to it too so that uh, the show continues to grow. That'd be great. Uh, Check us out on YouTube, the Chase Thomas Podcast, right there. Hit that subscribe button and uh, do all that good stuff. Email me at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas. Follow the main uh, the show Twitter at Pod Chase Thomas, and then of course like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Over there, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.